Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today we are studying the prophet Jeremiah, Yermiyahu, chapter 15. This is Saul Weinreb, the host of this podcast. Um, we just finished chapter 14, where we pointed out the difference between the prayer of the people and when they were suffering from hunger and drought and the prayer of Yirmiyahu, where the prayer of the people, where they did have what we call vidoy and harata, they did express an understanding that they had sinned, and they admitted that. And they also expressed some level of remorse. However, they did not do anything that was a kabbalah, a acceptance on the future of improving themselves. For which reason God said, I'm not listening to that prayer. And then God even told Yermio, the prophet, not to pray at all. But then Yermio prayed anyway. And in Yermio's prayer, he did um, condemn the practice of idol worship, which has been the major problem of the people, or uh, which repeatedly throughout the, the prophet's words until now, he has been criticizing the people for doing this. In Yermio's prayer and the prayer of the prophet himself to God, he he said he did express a, um, a condemnation of the idol worship and saying, you know, we can't turn to those other idols, whereas the people didn't even express the condemnation. But then in the beginning of chapter 15, God sort of cuts him off and um, says, whoa, I told you not to pray. And let's read what God's words are from the beginning of chapter 15. Um, and God said to me in response to my prayer as follows, Even if the two great prophets, Moshe, Moses, and Shmuel, Samuel, even if the two of them were standing in front of me, still, I will not pay attention, I will not... Uh, Turn, change my mind about this this nation. Shalach me alpanai Just get away from you know. Send them away from in front of me v'yetzeu and let them just go. Let them just get out of here. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to to um, to uh, give in to them this time. Even if those two great prophets, the um, Rashi points out that both Moshe. Why, why did we choose these two prophets? So there's several reasons given. The one that uh, I, I like the most here is, is Rashi's reasoning, because both of them, by Moshe uh, and Shmuel, when they, they didn't just, they prayed to God when the people were being bad, and they were also successful, unfortunately temporarily, but at least for the time being, they were successful in getting the people to turn around and recognize their mistake. After the golden calf, Moshe was able to say famously, Mila Hashem Eli, who is here with God, and, and, um, and, and bring at least some of the people away from the, the golden calf and, and um, back towards God. He was able to start turning the people around. And it was fine in Samuel and with Shmuel also that he was able to turn the people around. Whereas Yermiyahu, like we just pointed out, and this, this prophet has so far been completely unsuccessful. 
Whether that's his fault or not is a different story, but it's clear that he has been unsuccessful. So God is saying, even if you, uh, even if Moshe and Shmuel were in front of me, it wouldn't help because they're being unsuccessful because the people aren't changing. So 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 pray as much as you want, but it ain't doing nothing. So don't bother. That's one understanding of why God chose Moshe and Shmuel. The other understanding is the Radak simply because those are the two um, really two of the greatest prophets of all time and they're of higher stature than Yirmiyahu, than the prophet Jeremiah who's later in history and a little bit of lesser stature stature as a prophet. Uh, another understanding is the Abarbanel who says because Moshe and Shmuel were both members of the same tribe, they were both Levim, Levites, uh, as similar to Jeremiah who was a priest which is also from the tribe of Levi. So those are just some understandings of why God chose to use those two as an example here. But either way, God is saying, even if they were here, and I'm going to go with Rashi's, it wouldn't help because if the people don't change their ways, nothing's going to happen. V'hoya, and it will be. Ki lecha, when the people are crying to you, where should we go? Where should we run? Because what's going to happen? The enemy's going to come, and then everyone's going to realize that you've been telling them the truth the whole time. And they're going to come to you for advice and they're going to say, where should we run? Where should we go? How do we get away? And unfortunately, what you're going to have to say to them is as follows. So says God, this, this, the only place you can run to is destruction. Those of you that are running towards death are going to unfortunately die. Those running towards war are going to war. Those running towards hunger are going towards to hunger. And those that are going into captivity, Lashevi, are running into captivity. In other words, no matter where you run, there's no way you you can run, but you can't hide, as they say. There's no way to get away from this. This that's the only place you're going. You alam, and I would then will bring upon them Arba Mishbachos, four families of of creatures, four groups of 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 um of beings. That are going to hurt them. So says God. What are these four beings? At the cherev, the armies of war, laharog, coming to kill. Vietaklavim, the dogs, v'schov, to drag away the bodies. Viet ofashomayim, and the birds of the sky, meaning the, to pick away at the corpses. Viet bedmat and the animals of the field, the wild animals, lechol, the scavengers, lechol ulashchis, to come. Eat and destroy the people. And I will make the people an example of horror. People will talk about the people of Judah and as, as like shaking in horror about the terrible calamity. All of the kingdoms of the world are going to talk about how terrible the destruction was. And why is that? Who ruined this all? Because of Menashe, the king. The son of the king of Judah, because of what he did in Jerusalem. Menashe was the king that, as it was the son of Chizkiyo, uh, he was known for his extreme um, uh, evil. He was an evil king, a terrible king. He, 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 uh, um, he was the he brought the people to worshiping idols and to levels of corruption which had been unseen before. And until Menashe, the people there were some kings that were good, some kings that were bad. There was good. It went up, went down, went up, went down. Once Menashe came along, the situation that got so bad 
that uh, God says that after that, that's when they spiraled into the to the point where they are now, which seems to be the point of no return, where they are so stuck in their evil ways that there's no hope and destruction is inevitable. Um, the Targum here says actually differently because with the tradition in the Talmud is that Menashe at the end of his days actually did repent. And, and he learns it that the reason why you are, um, that you are not uh, going to be saved, he's saying to the people, is because, because of Menashe, meaning because you did not do what Menashe did. Menashe did at the end of his days recognize his mistakes, but you guys are not recognizing your mistakes, which would be consistent with how we were reading the last few verses, that the issue here is, is that Menashe recognized his mistake and changed his ways, but the people are not doing that. That, you might claim to recognize your mistake, but if you don't change your ways, it doesn't mean anything. And here we have almost, it's, it's God lamenting over Jerusalem. Who now will have mercy upon you, Jerusalem? Who's going to come to, um, to, to lament over you, to cry over you? Who is going to turn to turn when they, like, like when you, the metaphor is when you pass someone in the street and you turn and look and say, hey, how's it going? And how are you doing? Who, no one's even going to turn to look at you and say, ask you how you're doing. God is saying this because I was the one, God's saying, that, that loved you. I was the one that took care of you. I was the one that was always asking. Remember, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim is the verse from uh, Psalms 122, verse 6. Um, God is uh, telling the people to ask for the, you know, ask about the PC, find out how Jerusalem is doing, see how they're doing, take care of them. But no one's taking care of you. No one's going to take care of you anymore after I exile you and, and destroy the people in Jerusalem. God is, is, is lamenting over Jerusalem, saying, you slipped away from me. You went away from me, says God. You're constantly going backwards. Instead of moving forwards and improving, you're constantly going backwards. Therefore, va'at et yadi Therefore, I had to stretch my hand out over you, va'ashchitech, and destroy you. Nil eti I no longer can um, can can change my mind. I can no longer turn around. In other words, I've I've been angry at you before, but I've changed my mind. I've been convinced. You prayed. You did a little better, but no more can I do that. Why? Because you you won't come back. That you won't turn back to me, Vezrain, but Mizra Bashari Oritz, therefore I'm going to scatter you with a with a winnowing winnower, which is you know, which scatters the chaff from the the grain, Bashare Oritz throughout all of the places on earth. Shikalti I I have um, been um uh, bereaved, Ibaditi as Hami, I have destroyed my nation, Midarkehemlo Shovel, because they haven't changed their ways. Again, the emphasis on they haven't changed their ways. They've prayed, but they haven't changed their ways. The several ways of translating it, this, um, but uh, the one way of understanding al is the there, there are so many widows, the, 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 there are so many of them, mechol yamim, more than the the sands of the sea. So if you imagine, God promised Abraham a long, long time ago that his children were going to be numerous as the sands of the sea. 
Now God is saying, after you destroyed the people, that the widows of the people, so many people are, are, have died that the widows are counted like the grains of sand on, on the sea. Um, the Hevesi Lohem al Aim Bachor Shodeid Batzaharayim. There's several ways to uh, translate this. The Rashi and Masudos translate this as follows I have brought upon the aim, meaning this, the, the, the mother, but here the aim is referring to the city of Jerusalem. So I have brought upon the city, and we have seen that reference several times. Bachor Shodeid Batzaharayim. A, attackers that destroy in the noon time. That's one way of understanding it. The Malbim understands this very differently. He, he looks at this word aim and translates it as mother, but in this case meaning this referencing back to the widow that we mentioned in the beginning of the verse. And then it would be Hevesi lohem al aim I have brought up uh, to them to uh, upon, upon those widows, Bahor Shodeid, a a a a young man, meaning a soldier who is a Shodeid, who is uh, here referring to really a rapist uh, that that ravaged the, the the women during the destruction, Batsharayim, in the middle of the daytime, just to show how awful it was that it was in the middle. It wasn't even at night. It wasn't even in hiding. It was out in the open. Another way of understanding the word aim is from the language of Uma, a nation. And then it would mean, I brought upon the nation a Bahor Shodeid, a group of young attackers, soldiers, Batsarayim, in the noontime. We're still in verse 8. One of the more difficult uh, verses to translate, but we're working our way through it. He palti aleha pit om. God continues to lament and say, I suddenly had to make fall upon her on, on, on Zion, Zion and Jerusalem, on the people of Judah, ear. I, uh, scholars tend to translate this as either anguish or alarm. Uh, so he paltila pitom ear, anguish or pain or alarm with the halos and terrible noise and, and terror and tumult. Other ways to understand this is ear, which usually means a city, would then, and the Radak reads it this way, that it would read as follows. He paltiolea pitom, I made fall, a pitom ear, I made fall upon the city suddenly, uvehalot, and it was done in a way of terror and trauma. Um, another way to understand the word ear here would be and many of the traditional commentaries understand it this way. It means a sonea, hater. So then it would be, Hipaltila pitom, I made fall upon her suddenly, the haters, uvealot, and a tremendous amount of, of noise and terror. Umlala yolede tashiva. She who had, this is verse 9, she who has given birth to the seven, and I'll explain what that means in a moment, nafcha nafsha, her soul has exhausted and her soul has like just left her her son has set while it was still day in other words before her time that should have happened she is embarrassed and ashamed and the remnant of her I'm going to put the sword before their enemies so says God so what is this referring to Rashi has a really nice explanation, which several of the other traditional 
commentaries understand it. Yoleda Tashiva, she who has birthed seven, <coughs> refers to the seven different um, hereditary kingdoms that ruled over the northern kingdom. There were seven uh, royal families over the years. As uh, for anyone that's learned through uh, the prophets knows in the history that there was a king and sometimes they had a son and a grandson that followed them and then there was a coup and they overthrew them and another house set up and so on and so forth that Rashi counts out the seven. So that's one way. And then the meaning of this verse is that the northern kingdom was the Yolede Tashiva. They're the ones, they're, they're forlorn, they're distraught, they're lost, they're gone. She's gone and she left, and the remnant, meaning the people of Judah and, and the people that are remaining, unfortunately, I'm going to have to destroy them too because they haven't learned their lesson. Another way is the Radak understands the Yoleta Tashiva in a different meaning. Shiva always means many. It's, it's a language that means a lot. Shiva is just a lot. Of, sometimes we see that, we see it throughout the several other times and we see it in the Talmud also Shivim the 70 it's just a, it's a large number so Yoleta Tashiva means the one who gives birth to the, the people who has given birth to so many children it was so populous unfortunately now they are mourning their loss of so many people that would be how the Radak reads this others to see it is as Yoleta Tashiva the one who the people of the seven because there's so many um, things uh, seven is is a complete cycle, a cycle of the week, of holidays, are seven days, and so on. There are so many things. The people are the people that are the Yoleda Tashiva. They live, they at least should have have lived a life that that is surrounded by the concept of the completion of of seven, the spiritual concept of seven. And Um Lalashi is now those people of the seven, which are the Jewish people, are now unfortunately forlorn and in mourning. Um, this is uh, the end of Yermio 15a, um, and just because these verses are so difficult to translate, it take it a lot longer to get through these verses. So I'm going to stop here, and we'll continue 15b in the next podcast. Thank you so much.